Welcome to the Jannie and Angie Show with January Donovan and Angela Schneiders. We have a dream to rebuild our church and restore the tender love of Christ to every human heart. We believe in women's irreplaceable role in rebuilding our church, our culture, and our domestic church. As St. Catherine of Siena reminds us, be who God meant you to be, and you will set the world on fire. It is time to rise and reclaim souls for Christ. We must deepen our formation as women and prepare ourselves to lead the new evangelization. Our vision in the Women's School is to build our church one woman's formation at a time, and only then will we set the world on fire for Christ. Welcome to Rebuild Our Church Podcast, Angie and Janie Show. And today's topic is um, maybe controversial, maybe not, but it's something that is deep in Angie and I's heart. And we've probably been talking about this for years, Angie, and finally have sort of a platform to kind of talk about some difficult um, conversations. So today's topic is how do we admire women who does not have the fullness of truth? And this came out because one of the women that I guess I spoke about in the master class of women's school is Oprah. And I chose her simply because I, um, you know, uh, I haven't done in-depth research on who she is. My minimal encounter um, from the story that I've known of her is that she came from a really place of woundedness and turned it around to contribute goodness to the lives around her. And, that she's doing the good that she's capable of doing in what she's aware of. And so, you know, the question is how, you know, I think because as Catholics, we almost have boxes for women. And if they do not have the fullness of truth, we just almost put a wall there. Um, And honestly, it's always bothered me on a personal level. And Okay, so just uh, personal stories. And my own sister, who I love and admire, who I think is a walking saint, who lives such generosity and compassion, doesn't believe in the things that I believe. Mm -hmm. And so um, we have such an incredible relationship and at one point, you know, I just love her where she's at and we have different opinions and we just saw her celebrate and she learned from me and I learned from her. And I remember she said at one point to me, she said, Jane, can I just tell you something? I said, yes. Yeah. She goes, you know, the only reason why I'm Catholic is you're not trying to convert me. Um, and I don't know why that spoke out to me. And I really have no, I've never been trying to convert her. I was just trying to love her. And I remember Ryan, when we first got married, you know, we would have discussions about, don't you want to just give her the truth and tell the truth, not my sister, but just, you know, people around. And I would, I don't know why I was so strong in my heart. I said, no, I'm here to love them. And I think I can do more with loving them than I am telling them what truth is. And, you know, as we say now, just that, that, you know, so profound in sort of my heart is that truth is first and foremost a person before it is a line to be followed. And I feel like when we are preaching truth without inviting them on who truth is first we repel them mm-hmm. and i think that's probably what we see in the church right now and 
And I think more importantly, you know, the only way people are ever going to experience who truth is, is through the incarnational experience that they have in us, you know? And so it's so deep in my heart and it's, I find that um, I'm often really misunderstood by this, um, but just this belief in it often, you know, I I didn't even want to talk about it because I just felt in some ways ashamed when I start talk about, well, why can't we just admire Tony Robbins for who he is or Oprah? So anyways, thoughts on that, Ange, and where you are in the journey? You know, Jenny, this is such such a profound topic, and I, I think just could not be more relevant to to where we're at today in the church, in our, our, our world conversation with what's happening. You know, if you turn on the media or live in a large city, um, we are just riddled with hate. We're riddled with division. We're riddled with judgment, with preconceived notions of who people are. And as I look at my own journey, the more that I have come to live in the gaze of the Father and understand his merciful, tender love for me and how he sees everything. He sees my faults, my foibles, my omissions, my commissions, and yet he, he finds my weakness even irresistible. That sets me free. I am free in his gaze. Mm-hmm. And when I'm free in his gaze, I'm able to then look out at my brothers and sisters and just see them in the context of their entire story. And so when I think it, when it, in looking at this question, um, how do we admire women and men for that matter, who don't share the fullness of our faith? I think it comes back to that empathy and that gaze of merciful love. Because I'm not looking at an individual just in the context of where they're at today, but I'm looking at them in the context of their entire story. So when I look at the story of Oprah, and um, it's recently been brought to our attention that she has made some very uh, profound statements about abortion and things that we certainly do not condone or support that are painful. But when I look at Oprah in the context of her story and where she come from, from a very impoverished, abusive home life as a child, overcoming tremendous, tremendous obstacles as um, uh, you know, a woman in, in her field, uh, African-American woman in her field, you know, what she has overcome in the context of her story, in the context of who was forming her, who she's surrounded with, I can look at her with admiration because she could have taken a victim mentality and just thrown in the towel. And yet she has risen again and again and again. And I can also look at her with empathy. Yeah. And not fear. And not fear. Because she is, she's a sister in Christ, period. Yeah. And, and but for the grace of God, could I, I, I could be in that same situation. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail on the head is that the freedom comes from the gaze of the Father, allows us to not walk in fear when we go to you know, the darkness, the problem with darkness isn't darkness, but lack of light. That was something that was a profoundly in college that I just sort of pondered that a priest said. And, um, and I just keep thinking like, if we're not there to have a conversation with Oprah, because we are afraid of her lack of fullness of truth, then who is going to? Right. And, you know, it's so profound. Um, there's a wonderful series out right now called The Chosen. Yeah. And um, the, one of the, the episodes that has struck me so profoundly is Jesus's encounter with Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And I think again about our Lord 
and I, what I love about the chosen is, is Jesus is just, he's so real. He's so personable. I mean, it, you just, he's a real person. This is not just a set of truths. He is a person yeah. and, and he came not uh, to save those who didn't need him. He came to save. save. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he intentionally sought out Matthew, the tax collector. He intentionally sought out Mary Magdalene. The harlot, the, cafe, the one possessed by demons. That's who he came to save. And he came and he found them where they were. I just love that. I can... and, and he loved them. And that's what's so profound. He didn't, he literally, I'm going to cry. Like he just, he said her name, yeah. Mary. Yeah. And then he held her to his chest yeah. and she wept because she was seen. She was known and she was loved. And how many people are just saying, will you see me? Will you just take the time to understand my story and what I've been through and what I've suffered? And when we can, can come with that freedom, because perfect love casts out fear, as you said, then we can see. And then our heart is just, I, I truly, I felt this, that God places his love for that beloved in our very beings, because it's actually his heart that's loving them in and through us. Yeah. Who else is going to invite them to the fullness of truth? Yeah. And, and, and our ability to see both the wound, the hidden wound, the hidden struggle, will actually invite them into the fullness of truth. His love awakens love. His love and our gaze in and through him awakens a response. Yeah. And it's precisely that they haven't been given that light and love right. from the Heavenly Father. Those places of darkness in their heart have right. become the dark places, you know? Yeah. And um, I just keep pondering, and somebody had mentioned this to me, it's like, when we look at women who have, you know, parts of, of goodness, such as Oprah, and maybe parts that they're, you know, that they are not so good, um, what we can do is to marvel in the good that God has done in their life. Right. Like, just think about that. All good comes from our Lord. Everything. And so if there's truth, beauty, and goodness in some parts of her life, can we celebrate what God has done in her life as opposed to put a wall into who she is because she doesn't have the fullness of truth? And can I dare say, I don't either, Mm -mm. (laughs) you know, like who am I to cast out sin? And, and, and we just are watching chosen. And I think we're in um, episode three with the children, because we're kind of taken apart. And I remember Jack Ryan's like, mom, Jesus cut her, cut himself Mm -hmm. and like a real person. And it was like, so profound for my children. Like he had like, he needed a (laughs) bandaid, you know? And, um, but what struck me because I um, I resonate with Mary Magdalene in in you know in chosen in a way that she was so wounded and when our Lord said her name like he said like I didn't realize how possessed she was mm-hmm. like and how how tormented her soul was from the possession and how shunned by the world she was. And there was a scene there in the bar where she was just angry. Yeah. 
And, and I thought, this is so applicable in today's culture. And so, you know, like when we think about Lady Gaga, when we think about Katy Perry, when we think about these people that perhaps are not, you know, are con- contradictory to advertising truth, beauty, and goodness. Um, and obviously this is not for all children because we have to make sure we protect them. But as a woman, do we have the heart of mercy and compassion that comes from that intimacy with our Lord that casts out all fear to look at them with the eyes and the gaze of the Father yeah. and not judge them. Angela, this has wounded me so much because that's what I'm seeing in our culture today. It's as though we have become hardened, yeah. that we have now judged humanity as though we have not sinned. Right. There's, there's a pharisaical spirit. Yeah, and I can't, and, and you and I have been speaking about this because, you know, I know it is not equal, I am. And and what I'm seeing is that we could know scripture, we could know doctrine, um, but that doesn't mean I'm compassionate and empathetic. And I just think that God came for the sick. And I'll tell you an experience that really wounded me. There was a blogger, Rachel Hollis is... Um, People love and hate her in the Catholic space. I'm not entirely sure. I don't, haven't read all her books. I've read part of her book right now. And um, I, I, I read part of her book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And I just thought, you know, there's so much good good that she's really um, helping women draw out. There's so many truths that she's able to speak to. You know, does she have the fullness of it? No, you know, and, and she's, no, but, what struck me in is that there was a blogger, a Catholic blogger, um, and I think she's pretty, you know, she's got a lot of followers, was she did a, um, I don't know if it's a, a review of the book, but honestly, Ange, I was so wounded by the fact that we've just criticized a woman who is inviting people to truth, beauty, and goodness, maybe not in its fullness, but how have we come to that point where we're picking apart goodness as though we have become so hardened? And the comments underneath it, I was embarrassed to be Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at it and I'm like, Lord, why? Like, why have we, why are we criticizing each other? Like, I was so embarrassed to be Catholic. I'm sorry I'm getting emotional, but it angers me from a... Because I just kept thinking our Lord is weeping. Yeah. Because he's so misrepresented by the hardness of our heart that we cannot see the goodness in Rachel. Right. And then the slew of comments that were so critical. And I just thought, who have we become? Yeah. That we can't bridge and say, I see the goodness that God does in your life and I celebrate it. And guess what? The fact that you don't have the fullness of truth, I am responsible for it. Right. You're the reason, we're the reason people are not Catholic. That's exactly right. It is not Christ. And I just like, I want to shout with every fiber of my being because I feel like our church is suffering because we don't have the humility to say, I'm responsible for the fact that a church has failed you. Because we have pushed them away. We have pushed them away and actually taken ourselves out of the ability to be in conversation. We're not in those circles. 
We're afraid of them. We don't know who God is. And that's exactly it, Janie. What I, what I see is, is when children, when little children, um, you know, what is criticism to criticize is to literally cut apart. It's to cut flesh, right? Now being sarcastic is to cut flesh. Criticism is, uh, there's a metamology there that's very similar. It's literally to cut, right? Yeah. And so if we are not secure in who we are as beloved daughters, then someone else getting accolades is a threat to me. Rather than knowing that we have a God who loves each one of us infinitely and sees only us and has a totally unique relationship with each one of us, that there is literally, we're swimming in an ocean of his love that does not take away from his ability to love the next, his next beloved son or daughter with that equal or same amount. And so then then it becomes that that scarcity mentality that someone else is a competition to me or there's less for me. That's what I see is this backbiting, the scarcity. It's it's little children who don't know who their father is and are fighting for affection, are are basically fighting for, for look at me. And I need to tear this person down so I can be seen. And this really comes back. There was this incredible article in First Things Magazine several years ago that just pierced me. And the title was called, Look at Me. And the story from that that pierced me the most was this, uh, the author, um, last name was White, forgive me, I can't remember the, uh, the first name of the author, but basically uh, this individual was walking into Barnes and Noble and it, from the back, she kept hearing this little girl saying, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. And it was when she, fi- she, it got so distressing, she finally worked her way to the back and saw um, a little like four-year-old girl with her dad, her dad sitting there, he was looking at his device and his little girl just kept saying, daddy, look at me, daddy, look at me. And that's how we're living as Catholics. When our, our, our father is actually there, he's with us, he sees us, he wants to know us. And we're almost afraid, we're terrified of his gaze. We're afraid that if he actually sees who we really are, he's not, he's gonna stop loving us. Because we don't love ourselves. We don't love ourselves. But the truth is, and we will never love ourselves until we let him love us first. I think we don't know ourselves. That's, no. that's what, you know, it convicts me about this, the formation of women that I feel like, you know, when St. Catherine of Siena says, be who you're meant to be, we don't even know who we are. No. And so that's why I think we're living in fear. That's why we cannot look at somebody like Oprah and instead of celebrating not just Oprah, but the goodness of God and what he has done in Oprah, mm-hmm. or the goodness of Rachel Hollis, we start to, like you said, take them apart. It's almost like, you know, the slash in the wound of Christ. And so I think the invitation here, Anne, she's for us Catholics, you know, and it really is, God is so, it's like, it's perfect. It's like, and it's this thing he has been talking is this divine mercy. Yes. You know, and and that we, we live in a, in a world right now where mercy, it's what's going to heal humanity. Yes. And so I think that as women, we have to be so, um, we have to know who we are so that we can come in contact with our creator so we can actually have the capacity for mercy. Yes. And not criticism. You know, we are, 
we're part of the problem when we're crucifying people. And I honestly think this is the reason why Catholics are not in some of the most secular spaces where so many Christians are, you know, like a Rachel Hollis is, you know, she was an Ellen. And that's another, you know, person Ellen is that, you know, I don't believe, you know, but we can celebrate what God has done in parts of, of Ellen, right? And that, she, you know, she is who she is because of what she has not been given. Yeah. And she's so me deeply wounded as we all have uh, yeah and and in one of the um meditations that has truly shaped my life was given to me by a dear friend and spiritual director um by elizabeth of the trinity saint elizabeth of the trinity and it was actually to her mother superior and the name of the meditation is let yourself be loved <sighs> this was this was St. Elizabeth, you know, who in the time was in her 20s, writing this for her mother superior of her order, her Carmelite order. That's, so much, that's so much courage because until we allow ourselves to be gazed upon, literally naked before the Father, because none of us are going to like ourselves because we're going to see our fallen nature. We're going to see our woundedness. We're going to see those dark places in our heart. And so until we allow the Father to gaze upon us and realize there's nothing we could ever do to increase his love for us, nor diminish his love for us. Then it's actually his gaze that enables me to see the truth of who I am because he is my creator. He is my father. And he sees the totality of who I am, even when I cannot. Yeah. And if our mothers out there that are listening, this is an easy thing to actually really resonate because there's nothing that Catherine baby Catherine can do or my children that's Angela's baby yeah what would ever make you make us love you more or less we could get frustrated what they're doing but we never love them less or, or more we just our heart just loves them and we cannot unlove them <laughs> you know and not unlove you know and I and we talk about you know, you've got baby rock Thomas right now and I've got my Catherine Elizabeth and you know I'm changing dozens of diapers and cleaning oops and you know, you know you know running everything she's teething and that it just i find her even more irresistible yeah so the father it's it's actually the abyss of our misery that draws the abyss of his mercy and then when i'm i'm totally naked before him he sees everything he loves me infinitely he's called me to life he wants me to be one with him and the father in heaven for all eternity then I'm free. Yeah. It's like what John Paul too naked without shame, yes. you know, and, and that, that word shame is massive. Brene Brown talks about it. And I think this goes back to Angela is our capacity for receptivity yeah. has to be formed. Yeah. And what, you know, St. Elizabeth is let yourself be loved. And I think that's where formation really comes in because when we're living in fear and in scarcity and we're stressed and we're hijacked, we are, we self-protect. So we don't let anybody in. Right. And we don't let anybody in that threatens our belief. Right. That puts us in the place of discomfort. We are, we are trying to protect the comfort in which we are safe because we don't think we are lovable apart from that. Right. You know, and, and for so long, you know, I just, I kept thinking like, because Ryan, you know, my husband, he is so open to different people and saying, well, why are you, why are we afraid? I mean, they've got some parts of the truth, but so we celebrate that. And, and, and he sees it with such a very logical, like, this is a matter of fact, like, 
God did not do that. And, and for myself, I often, I am burdened by the fact that as a church, we have not created a culture that bridges Mm-hmm. to the people we do not understand or the people that we deem unholy by our own judgment, those possessed, those greedy tax collectors, the women in the well. I mean, is it possible that we can now shift a new generation where we can receive the love of the Father to soften our hearts so now we can give? Yeah. And go place, and not be afraid to celebrate parts of Oprah, or you know, just even like the you know the the feminist movement and how as a Catholic, we just like automatically it's like horrible. Yeah, sure, they're doing a lot. Maybe I can celebrate the fact that I can vote because of them and just find an inch of goodness or two, and that's what we hold on to to bridge, right. And, and, and I think about, you know, St. Paul going to Athens in Greece and, you know, he was, he was commenting, this is an Acts, you know, he sees all the, the temples and they're, they're worshiping these different deities. And then he sees the, um, the temple to the unknown God. Mm. And he says, I see that you are very spiritual. Wow. He's so strategic. <laughs> so brilliant. Like he's, he emphasizes the good to start the conversation. He <sighs> relationship and that's what jesus did jesus went you know he spent three years you know 30 years teaching us how to live three years in active ministry literally walking with his disciples and then three hours teaching us how to suffer and die for us really powerful and and but, but in teaching us how to live in teaching us how to share life teaching us how to be in relationship and our, our Lord, you know, I think of his, his, his core wounds of abandonment and rejection mm. by those who should have loved him the most, but he was always seeking out the lost, the abandoned, the rejected, the outcast, the person who was unseen and unloved. You know, again, Zacchaeus, another tax collector, short little Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your home tonight. I mean, honestly, be with you. I want to be with you in your home. That is the most intimate place. He was not ashamed to go to those who most needed him. How many of us would be ashamed to feel like we are being invited to go to Oprah's house and feeling like, you know, because I think that was sort of my fear. Like, okay, January, what if I sit right next to the opposite person of the things that I believe in and break bread with him? And I felt like I would be crucified and I would, I, I feared the criticism. And I think part of me right now has sort of found the courage to say enough. Like we can't continue this track because our church is suffering mm-hmm. so much because we've lost our credibility, right? We've lost our credibility for the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Now, when you ask your average person about Catholicism, it is a bunch of rules. A bunch of rules. And not, I mean, we don't even almost see Jesus. And it becomes a conversation of doctrine. And I was having a conversation with a friend. I said, listen, we are not going to win souls with another doctrine. We are going to win them with the mastery of our capacity for empathy and connection like that i believe is a new evangelization nobody wants to hear a doctrine we have 
peppered doctrine all over humanity. And I think that as women, we can masterfully do this because it is in our very nature to learn how to connect, that God designed us to be that place of union and nurture, that if we can learn connection skills where we can at every moment, God-given moment, spot the good and say, that's what I'm going to pull. The only hanging thread and the only good in you, and I'm going to use that strategically as a bridge, just like St. Paul did. Exactly. And again, we know rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. Yep. And, and we have a culture right now that doesn't even believe in absolute truth. Mm-hmm. So how can we lead with truth? That's a foreign language. Yeah. It's rules. It's rules. Yeah. And, and, and we have, and I can, even our Lord, you know, Jesus taking on, you know, uh, our human flesh came for relationship. And then his gaze of love, it literally, it's a drawing forth of the good within us. Yeah. It's inspiring the good, not he, you know, he, he always comes with such a gentle invitation. He never imposes. Yes. And, and he love does. A love awakens, a lo- love expands, and love draws forth. Hmm. And there's a, a study that um, the Ryan and I were just reading that the quickest way to raise a person's self-esteem is through complimenting and encouraging them. Yes. And so we were talking about this in context of our children because, I mean, think about it. Um, how many times do we, you know, do we find the good in our children or do we just find all the ways we can criticize them? And so here's the thing is that like, you know, my eight-year-old, she makes a mistake. I know she's going to make a mistake. Like I don't, it's not like, oh, what have you done? You've made a mistake. We've made the fall so bad when in spite it is the fall that allows us to rise and so you know when you put it into context of our children I know that they're going to make a mistake and yet I'm going to say you know what I'm going to be patient when you're learning this virtue and not shove virtue down your throat because that causes rebellion there's actually the theology behind obedience that there's actually no obedience without love love precedes obedience correct correct and it's always charity and truth. Yeah. We lead with charity. And that, that's exact point. So again, like having my sweet husband Elizabeth has been the most transformational experience of my life because as I gaze upon her, this is exactly, you know, I'm, I'm getting the tiniest window about how the father gazes upon each one of us. I might be 39 years old, but the father looks upon me as a four month old. Yeah. He's, he, sees, he sees the entire context of my story, of my life, of the fall, how the fall has uniquely affected me. And so he is such a tender father that, you know, he's rejoicing. You know, I think of Catherine when she smiles like that, just that changes my, I mean, that, that changes my whole day. Yeah. So I will do anything to, to make her smile. I will do anything to draw forth that good. And he's just, he's our biggest cheerleader and he knows how weak we are. He knows how we're dust. We're so little. And so he's there to celebrate every victory, every triumph, every time we, you know, when she starts learning to walk, you know, I'm going to be right there. She falls down. That's just strengthening her to get up again. Mm -hmm. So Papa God looks at us as little tiny babies. We're just little babes. We're so trying. Yeah. And and I think that 
if we can look at souls that are wounded, that might not have the fullness of truth, with this eyes of compassion yeah. to both be patient mm-hmm. and persistent, patient in their time of growth, persistent in the way we love them, then now we can actually bridge truth, beauty, and goodness to them. Exactly. Exactly. Instead of criticizing them, isolating them, judging them, and seeing ourselves as sort of that Pharisees who has the fullness of truth and now no longer needs of them. No, because they're over here and I'm over here. Is it possible that we need them? Is it possible that, you know, like think about it as a parent, as a a child, and, you know, my role is to know that they're going to mess up, but I'm going to love them where they're at, and I'm going to be patient until they learn the virtue of gratitude, or they learn how to clean their room, or they learn how to, you know, be honest, right? I'm not going to abandon them because they're being dishonest at seven years old or eight years old. No, I mean, that's why we have the confession. And so what if we look at these, you know, these souls that are in the journey, but is not, you know, doesn't have the fullness of truth and look at them like the way we would look at our children and see hope in them as opposed to isolate them and criticize them. Can we win the world back to the church? Yes. And it's going to be one soul at a time as we allow ourselves to be loved and experience God's mercy because a soul who is, I mean, Mary Magdalene, you know, she, be, she was literally the first disciple to the disciples. She was the one that Jesus first- A woman, a woman. A, a woman was the first disciple to the disciples, of course, after our blessed mother. Um, and so those who've experienced the depths of God, God's mercy will be able to extend that mercy to others. So this is an invitation back to understanding who the father is that he desires to first be known for his mercy. Yes, he is also a just God. But he chooses at this unique time in salvation history not to lead with his justice, but to lead with his mercy. And and will we have the courage to allow him to penetrate the the depths and darknesses of of our own heart so that we can become the light and allow his light to radiate from within us as his life becomes our own. We are called to become another Christ in the world that Angela would decrease so that he might increase. And then he would magnify me as his, as his creation and his hands and his feet and his eyes and his voice. And so my prayer in the morning is not, Lord, what do you want me to do? But Lord, who do we want to encounter today? Mm, I love it. The encounter. That's what our Lord did. He just encountered them. And it was who he it was who he was that changed the heart of man. It was who he was. Yes. And so I think that's what maybe we can take home in this conversation yes. is that are we putting on the heart, the mind, the soul of Christ? Each time we criticize, we judge, we put a wall, and we divide in our thoughts alone first. Mm-hmm. Are we truly you know, rebuilding the church on earth so that Christ may reign back in the hearts of man? Or are we the reason why they're not? And I think that's going to be just a question we ought to ponder for the rest of our life. It's part of our examine. Yep, is is an examination. And and to remind ourselves that we are here to celebrate any goodness. 
and use that as a bridge to invite people towards truth, beauty, and goodness in its fullness. Right. And it really, we are the heart and face of Christ. Yes. Yes. And so we have, you know, I, I, I was just reflecting on the fact that I think the biggest way we can even lower the guards down of people that have been wounded by the Catholic faith that have seen that it is a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws is a leader that says, I am sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for what we have done. Is there room for me mm-hmm. to make up for all and atone for the sins of the Catholic church? Could that be a great story? that would begin the conversation of healing mm-hmm. of what has become of the Catholic church today as a place of scandal, mm-hmm. as a place of heart and rules and shift the tide once more. Yeah. For our listeners out there, I just feel very, very compelled right now that if you have been wounded by the church, if you have felt judged or rejected or abandoned, I ask for your forgiveness um, and, and, and I am so sorry that that has happened to you um, for my own faults that, and, and for the faults of, of those in the church. And we just invite you to come home. We invite you to, um, to, to know that, that we have falsely represented the Father and his goodness, his tenderness, his compassion, and his mercy. And he has never changed. Mm-hmm. He is always the same. Yeah. It's just been, he has just been falsely represented by his disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but also we, you know, that we would be patient in the journey and that yeah. it's okay if you're angry and it's okay if you feel a sense of repulsion against the priestly scandal, against the financial scandal, against certain Catholics that you've met. We love you where you're at. Yeah. You know, um, and we, you know, that, that our, our, our prayer is to not judge you, but to love you Mm -hmm. wherever you are in the journey. Yeah. You know, and that, and that I, I, I pray for our Catholic listeners that do have the fullness of truth is that let's, let's be that light first. Mm -hmm. That's going to ignite the spark. And set the world on fire. Yes. Yes. That's That's right. And just to know always that our past is our compass to our future. Yes. God never, um, he loves us where we're at, but he loves us so much. He's not going to leave us there. And Jamie and I's testimony is, is, is an incarnational story of that, of the father's merciful love Mm -hmm. and a calling forth to new life. And that's the same desire, my dear sisters and listeners, that he has for you. That no no matter where you are at right now, the Father desires to call you into the fullness of life. That we are a walking mercy, Mm -hmm. all of us. You know, know, I I think we can close with this. And Father Joe Gately, Mm -hmm. um, with the Divine Mercy, he has a... um, the second greatest story told and uh, informed. I think it's informed. Oh, Father Michael Gately. Oh, I'm sorry, Father. Oh, I went to school with, with yeah. Joe, his brother, Father, Father Michael Gately. Um, morning glory. Um, 
it was so profound and it hit me so beautifully because he ended, he talked about the story that God is so merciful that plan B is even better than plan A. Oh, it gives me chills. That's, that's who our father is. Is that amazing? That is like baffling. Baffling. Like Angela, your story, my story, that plan B, you know, my own abortion story and your own woundedness plan God's plan B for me supersedes what I could have ever imagined. Exactly. It's possible in my limited. Exactly. And again, I could, I could honestly say I would go through it again. Yes. To be here. That's what Jesus would say. That, that I would do it again. Yeah. That's what Jesus would say. He would walk the cross for us and bear the pain and the agony for a shot mm-hmm. heaven with us forever yes and that is, that's it and we have to look at too our, our 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 brothers and sisters that aren't on the fullness maybe are not at the fullness of truth yet they are my brothers and sisters that are destined to spend all of heaven with the father mm-hmm. or someplace else will we be the bridge that invites them home yeah and, and even then, you know, I would imagine how much is our Lord extending mercy to those that are not Catholic? Yeah. That are not, don't even have faith. He's extending so much mercy to them. That's the only reason why they're alive. Yeah. And how much would he do that for us? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's like back to that prodigal son story, which I'm sure we can talk about another time. And... Um, so that's what I, you know, I think that we can end here and um, thank you for listening. And, you know, for this is really just a raw conversation. And Angela and I have had this conversation for years and we've pondered all these things in our heart, both in pain and in joy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just want to share with you just really the journey of true friendship was trying to wrestle mm-hmm. with a world that has been so wounded and trying to see the heart of Christ in humanity. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a gift as always, Ange. I love you. Love you, you so much. Listeners. And um, to, if there's any ever request for some, you know, interesting conversation, let us know. Um, and we invite you to the Women's School, which is really a formation school of receptivity for women. And you can contact Ange um, as we walk women um, in this journey towards internal freedom that's a lot going to allow us the capacity to receive the mercy of our Lord that will give us the capacity to send mercy to all those around us. Yes. Blindly. Amen. Thank you, Jeannie. Hey, this is Robbie Crows. Have an awesome, awesome day, ladies. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. Please write us at info at com. We would love to hear your comments and questions. And to learn more about our work at The Woman's School, please visit our website, thewomanschool.org. Finally, we encourage you to take the wholeness quiz, which you will find on our website, thewomanschool.org. Because as St. Edith Shine taught us, As a woman becomes whole, she becomes a pillar on which others can lean to be made whole.
Thank you, ladies. Until next time, let us rise and together rebuild our church.